Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Episode 10, Ponies. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to start listening at Episode 1 so that you can get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome back special guest artist from Texas, Aaron Davis. Aaron was also our guest for Episode 5, The Slide. Please check the show notes to find links to Erin's final illustration and her coloring page. We also want to take a moment to share another great podcast from fellow Kids Listen member called Newsy Jacuzzi, all about news and events from around the world. Take a listen. Over here! Hey, 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 listen up! And this is my mama. I sometimes go by the name of Lindy Prickett. And we produce a children's news podcast called Newsy Jacuzzi. It's world news aimed at children between 8 and 12 years old, but we found a lot of adults like it too. We cover art, culture, and entertainment, sports, and the world of wow. Which is... Science! And by science, we mean up in space, down in the sea, animals roaming the earth... With places on their butts. If you're a cow in Botswana, Africa, perhaps, yes, we did that story. And the heroic rat sniffing out explosives in Cambodia. And the explosive fly trap in France. And the blue lobster found at a red lobster restaurant. And tech, gadgets, games, 3D dinosaurs, taste pops, you name it, we cover it. It's a whirlpool of news and information. Come on, take a dip in the newsy jacuzzi. Now, one thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. I know how it looks in my head, but I love to see how other people imagine things. So I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you're inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on our Facebook page, or email us at petrathedragon at gmail.com. And now, let us begin. Episode 10 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights. Ponies. Previously on Fad Pack, Beatrice, a mother dragon, believes her egg has been stolen by the ponies and the fairies. She sets off to find her missing egg with her five children and two humans, Talora Shamsa, a knight in training, and Tom Thomas, a stable boy. While protecting her youngest baby, Smudge, Beatrice is stabbed by a unicorn's horn. Now Talora and the other dragons must get her to the ponies to save her from the unicorn's powerful poison. Talora stood on the bow of the makeshift raft as it headed down the crystal river, her spear clutched tightly in her blistered hands. She held the blunt side out, ready to push the raft away from the bank or rocks or any other obstacles. It was their second day since leaving camp on the raft since they had left Tom behind, and almost three days since Beatrice had been stabbed by the unicorn's horn. Beatrice was still asleep, in a kind of hibernation caused by the dragon's tooth tea. Her breathing was getting slower and more labored. They had to get to the ponies in time. Talora felt sure that the ponies would help her. They had to. She squinted above her and could see a small dark speck in the sky, slowly getting bigger, taking the shape of a far-off dragon. That would be Azrael coming back to report on the river up ahead. 
Smudge was asleep, his new best friend Furball curled on top of him, purring blissfully. Petra swooped low over the shallow edges of the river, looking for fish. The river here was calm and deep, thank the stars. Talora closed her eyes, the sunburnt skin of her face wrinkling painfully. Yesterday and most of this morning had been one disaster after another. For a moment she thought back to the slide, the second task in the dragon games. The obstacles had seemed so silly and childish, and yet they had served as a great preparation for what she had to do now— Maneuvering an inert, fully-grown dragon on an extremely makeshift raft down a winding and treacherous river, accompanied by two huge packs, a restless baby dragon, and a cantankerous kitten, was much, much harder than the slide. From the moment they had set off yesterday, the river had been shallow and fast-moving with rocks and branches everywhere. The raft, heavy and awkward, seemed to be in constant battle with the never-ending obstacles that threatened to break it, trap it, flip it, or beach it. Talora and Smudge were in a constant struggle to keep Beatrice from rolling off the raft, while Petra and Azrael did their best to help from above. If the raft got stuck, it took everyone's combined strength to push it free again. Low branches or fallen trees that hung over the river threatened to sweep the riders off, so Azrael and Petra took turns flying up ahead, trying to burn through any major obstacles to clear the way. A few times their blaze hadn't been fast enough to clear the trees, and the raft had headed full speed into an inferno— Talora and Furball, not fireproof like the dragons, had to jump overboard, and so far the raft had managed to break through these blazing trees and not catch fire itself. Meanwhile, there was hardly any room on the raft to move, so Talora and Smudge were constantly climbing all over Beatrice to get from one side to another. And yet, they had not been defeated. The raft held. They were all still alive. Beatrice was still alive. They had been able to find and brew the dragon's tooth into tea that they tipped down her sleeping throat, wishing there was more they could do. Furball seemed to think that he was Beatrice's personal protector. Whenever he was awake, and they weren't fighting for their lives on the river, Furball climbed all over Beatrice, inspecting and cleaning her. He loved to nibble and lick her ears, her claws, even her shoulder where the unicorn had stabbed her. In fact, Furball's favorite place to perch was right on top of Beatrice's wound. He would sit there and purr loudly, blinking his eyes slowly as he gazed around him. At first, Talora had chased him off, but he was so determined that she eventually gave up. Talora's gaze shifted back to Azrael, who was getting closer and flying fast. Not a good sign. Talora blew her whistle to summon Petra, since her voice was hoarse from all the screaming she'd had to do yesterday. Petra swooped low over the raft and hovered there, just as Azrael arrived. "'Okay,' said Azrael. "'I've got some really, really good news. "'And some really, really bad news. "'The good news is, we're almost there. "'I could see the grasslands up ahead, "'maybe just a few hours away, actually. "'Really pretty. Wow. "'I've never seen anything like it. "'I wonder if that's what the ocean looks like. "'Only it's just like grass, you know, forever. "'It's just this huge, golden ocean of Azrael,' "'interrupted Petra. "'What's the really, really bad news?' "'Oh, yeah.' Well, the river stays pretty calm like this for a while, but then right before it leaves the mountains, there's this giant waterfall. Well, kind of like a bunch of giant waterfalls. First, it's like this one big waterfall, and then it keeps falling, almost like stairs, all the way down for about a mile until it calms down at the bottom. But then at the bottom, you're like practically there. That's right where the grasslands start. Again, really pretty to look at, if you ignore the fact that we have to get this raft down it. Talora closed her eyes briefly. 
Why can't anything be easy, she thought. When she opened her eyes, Azrael and Petra were both looking at her. Of course, it was always her job to figure these problems out. Okay, she sighed. What's the land like around the waterfalls? Can we pull the raft out and continue on land? Azrael considered. Um, hmm, I'm not a big climber myself, so it's hard to visualize. I mean, a goat could probably do it, but... Talora interrupted him impatiently. Being that none of us are goats and we have a dragon on a raft here, what do you think? Is there a path of any kind or a slope that we could somehow pull your mom down? Oh, right. No, definitely not. Pretty much just giant cliffs all around, Talora thought for a minute. Well, we'll have to get off the river before the waterfall. We'll just have to look for another way down. She couldn't think of anything else. She looked at Beatrice. They all did. Her chest was barely rising with each breath. Even if they could find a way down, how would they carry her? It would take too long. As Talora's tired brain twisted in knots looking for a solution, something strange happened. A picture entered her mind, unbidden, like it was coming from outside of her. Then it vanished. She looked up at Azrael and Petra, but they were deep in thought. Then it happened again, a different picture this time. Talora couldn't quite make it out. It felt like one of the dragons was trying to speak to her, except there were no words, only the simple, fractured images. She shut her eyes and concentrated. There were words now, soft, whispery words, in a dragon's voice she had never heard before. Hey parents! Yeah, you! Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Falling. Mom. Water falling. Suddenly it hit her and she laughed out loud. It was Smudge. Smudge was talking to her. He had an idea and he was trying to tell her. She looked at him and his body started to wiggle. His eyes were wide and bright, staring directly into hers. Keep going, Smudge, she said encouragingly. Wait, Petra exclaimed. Is he talking to you? Yes, he is, Talora exclaimed in delight. It's only some words, mostly pictures. I can't quite see it. Petra turned to her brother. Do you have an idea, Smudgy? Smudge tossed his head like a wild horse as he looked up at his sister. He was getting excited. Well, don't be shy, you little smokestack. Tell us. Smudge shut his eyes, grunting, concentrating hard on his idea and sending it out. Images kept flashing through to Laura's brain in this new voice, but they were impossible to understand. They were moving too fast, and they only flickered for a minute before disappearing and starting over. They were flying. No, Smudge was flying. They were untying the raft. A rope was getting tied around a leg. Beatrice's leg? What was Smudge trying to say? Why is he thinking mostly in pictures instead of words? This is how it starts, Azrael explained. Pictures are easier, more abstract. His thoughts aren't complex enough for words just yet. Hey, Smudge, this is good. I see you're flying in this idea you have. What are the rest of us doing? Can you show us what we're doing when you're flying? Smudge shut his eyes again. 
The pictures and word fragments continued. The raft was empty. The raft was broken. The rope was wrapping around something. They were flying. Petra and Azriel were flying. But where was... Then suddenly Talora gasped. Sun and stars. That seemed impossible. But it was clear now. What Smudge was saying was crystal clear. She looked at Petra and Azrael. Did you get that? Oh, yeah, said Petra. Well, could that work? Azrael thought about it. Whew, I don't know. Maybe. If it doesn't work, it could kill Mom. And me. And Petra. But if it does work... Then we are awesome and Smudge just saved the day, Petra interrupted. Well, unless we think of something else, we have to try. It's our only chance. Let's get to work. Good job, Smudgical. You picked the perfect time to start talking. Smudge looked like a happy puppy as he beamed with pride. Asriel, is there a spot to pull off the river to get ready? I don't know. I'll go check. Asriel leapt off the raft and flew ahead. Talora breathed deeply. Inhale. Exhale. Deep breaths prevent panic. Deep breaths prevent panic. Many miles away, already out of the mountains and high above the grasslands of Shazborough, flew Edwin and Lyle. Besides the occasional tree or large rock, there was only grass as far as the eye could see, an ocean of tall, wavy, golden grass. This was their second day of searching with no sign of the ponies. They were getting anxious and bored. Hey, Edwin? Yeah? Remember when you ran away to see if you could find the ocean? Yeah. Well, did you ever see anything like this? No, I never really made it out of the mountains. What was it like? Were you scared? Edwin took a minute to consider this question. This had been years ago. Beatrice had told them about the ocean, how big it was, and about all of the incredible creatures it held. Edwin could still remember vividly her mother's description of the whales. Enormous, elegant beasts bigger than dragons. She hadn't meant to run away. She just sort of went to go find them. She figured she'd run into the ocean eventually, then come right back. She'd be gone for a few days, tops. Anyway, she'd been in pretty big trouble when her mom found her, so she'd never really talked to anyone about it. I don't think I was scared. I was mostly just excited to meet the whales and to see the ocean. But then, when I had been flying for so long and I didn't see anything, I got really sad. Then Mom found me and I felt like a baby, and everyone was mad at me. I was sad too, said Lyle. Well, I was sad that you didn't ask me to go with you. Would you have come? asked Edwin. Oh yeah! Are you kidding me? I would have gone with you in a second! I would be too scared to go on my own. You're way braver than me, but I totally would have gone with you. Edwin was surprised. I'm not braver than you. You're the bravest dragon I've ever met. Really? I don't know. I feel scared a lot of the time. I guess I'm not that scared of getting hurt exactly because I get hurt all the time, but I could never do what you did. Edwin thought for a minute. Well, I'm definitely afraid of getting hurt. I could never do what you do. Remember when Petra dared you to fly with your eyes closed and you ran into that cliff and fell into a river and we all thought you were dead, but then you came out with like 10 fish in your mouth? That was amazing. I guess we're just brave about different things, you know? And maybe that makes us a good team. Lyle seemed encouraged by this idea. Yeah, yeah, we're a good team. Ooh, can we have a team name? Edwin asked excitedly. No one ever wants to have an official team name with me. 
Yeah, okay, said Lyle. What about... Team Smash It Up? Hmm, Edwin said uncertainly. Are we going to be smashing things up? I mean, you never know, said Lyle. The point is, we would be ready to smash things up if we had to. But we can try it out for a while and then change it later if we feel like it. Okay, deal, said Edwin. Team Smash It Up. The Smashers. Smash Dragons. Yeah, I like it. Do you think we'll find the ponies in time? Asked Lyle. Yep, said Edwin. How do you know? Because we're Team Smash It Up. And because they're right over there. What? Where? See all those different colored rocks down there? Edwin gestured with her front leg. Yeah? Said Lyle, squinting. I don't think those are rocks. I think those are ponies. Rainbow ponies. Gulping groundhogs! That's impossible! There's so many! They're everywhere! There must be thousands of them! Look, they're moving! Said Edwin. They must see us! They were indeed moving. As Edwin and Lyle swooped lower, what looked from far above like thousands of brightly colored rocks now appeared to be animals. Ponies, galloping together to form a tight herd. Then something very surprising happened. Four of the ponies leapt into the air, spread giant wings, and started flying toward Lyle and Edwin. Lyle gasped. Um, did you know they could do that? No, Edwin responded nervously. No, no, I didn't. I did not know that they could fly. That I did not know. No one told me they could fly. Well, what should we do? Asked Lyle. Just play it cool, said Edwin. We're going to smash this. She looked at Lyle and winked. As the four flying ponies got closer, Edwin and Lyle became more and more amazed by them. They were, without a doubt, the most incredibly gorgeous creatures that they had ever laid eyes on. They were bigger than horses, but not just in terms of size. Yes, they were taller, rounder, wider, but they were also just so much more. Each was a different, vibrant color. One was blue, one pink, one orange, and one yellow. Their manes and tails, also vibrant to the point of glowing, were a different color from their bodies and swished like thick curtains of silk through the air as they flew. Their wings were like giant bird's wings, lush with shimmering feathers that matched the colors of their bodies. It looked like they were flying in slow motion, their wings pumping gracefully up and down like an effortless dance. With the sun shining bright behind them, it was like the sunset itself was flying to greet Edwin and Lyle. Finally, the ponies were upon them. They stopped moving forward and held their position, blocking Lyle and Edwin from flying further. The draglings hastily stopped their gliding and pumped their wings to fly in place. The orange pony with a brilliant red mane spoke to them, in the same way that dragons spoke and that most animals spoke to each other. Hello, young dragons, the pony said in a friendly voice. You aren't hoping to eat any ponies today, are you? Lyle couldn't speak, but Edwin answered smoothly. No, she said. We love ponies. We were actually hoping you could help us save our mom. Oh, that's great news. The orange pony tossed his mane and pawed a wide hoof through the air, almost as if he was on the ground. That you're not here to eat us, I mean. We didn't want to have to kill you. I'm sorry to hear that your mother is in trouble. Would you mind coming to the ground with us? Flying dragons make our earth brothers and sisters very nervous. Oh, sure, said Edwin. 
and she and Lyle drifted down to the earth with the four flying ponies. Almost as soon as they touched the ground, the greater herd was upon them, and the four who had flown out to greet them had moved back to their positions at the outskirts of the others. The ponies now surrounding them were no less magnificent in their appearance than their winged counterparts. They were just as colorful, maybe slightly bigger than the flying ponies, and almost bigger than Edwin and Lyle. None of them stepped forward. None of them spoke. They just surrounded the draglings and stood, motionless, the wind rippling through their rainbow manes and tails. Ah, uh, hi there, said Edwin in the friendliest voice she could muster. We've come a long way to find you. <sighs> Silence. Lyle looked at Edwin. Edwin wasn't sure what to do. She decided to keep going. Our mom is in trouble. She might die. And we were wondering if you could possibly help us? The ponies just stared at them. One younger pony was sneaking closer to Lyle to get a good sniff of him. Lyle nervously let some smoke out of his nostrils, and the little pony backed away. Then the silence was broken by a voice, coming from someone that neither Lyle or Edwin could see. (laughs) Tell me, why should the ponies of Shazboro Grasslands help a family of dragons? What have the dragons ever done for us except hunt us or terrorize us? Why should we care if your mother dies? Why shouldn't we trample you right here, right now, before you grow big and hungry? The herd parted to allow the speaker forward. A purple stallion with a blue and red mane emerged. He seemed young, but imposing, and certainly not very friendly. From the back of Edwin's memory, she recalled the words of Knight Morgan on the day they left Durga. When Beatrice had asked him who she should speak to amongst the rainbow herd, Morgan had said, "'Whomever will speak to you.' "'Well, I guess this was their pony,' Edwin thought. He seemed kind of grumpy, but she was not scared. She'd once talked a badger into having a tea party with her, and when she was younger than Smudge, she had coerced an entire hive of bees into learning a synchronized flying routine. She could handle this fancy pony.' First of all, she said, my name is Edwin, and this is my brother, Lyle. It is very nice to meet you. What is your name, please? The pony seemed slightly taken aback, but finally he answered, my name is Moonbeam. Edwin exhaled with admiration. Moonbeam, I love that name. Listen, Moonbeam, I am so, so sorry to hear about the bad experiences that you've had with dragons. That just sounds so, so, so awful. And Guess what? I mean, that's kind of why we're here. I mean, not exactly, but kind of. Before our mom got hurt, we were already coming to find you guys because some ponies have done some bad things to us too. And our mom, the one that might die, well, she wanted to talk to you about it instead of just getting all angry and and hurting ponies and stuff. She thought maybe we could stop all this. And don't you think that's a good idea? Don't you think that if we talked about things a little, we might get along better? I have never seen a pony before, and I am really excited to get to know you better. So, that's all. Please don't trample us. We really want to be friends. Moonbeam's face was still and stony while he listened to Edwin. He stared long and hard at her, then at Lyle. He swished his tail a few times and stamped his hoof. Then he said, Your mother was coming to talk with us. Mm Mm-hmm replied Edwin. We even went to the knights first to get their help. That's how come we knew where to find you. Hmm. 
What's wrong with your mother? What happened to her? Finally, Lyle jumped in. She was stabbed by a unicorn horn right in her shoulder. Moonbeam's eyes grew wide in surprise, but then he said, Horse unicorn or pony unicorn? Edwin and Lyle looked at each other. They didn't know there was a difference, and Talora hadn't said which one it was. Edwin took her best guess. Horse unicorn. Moonbeam stared at Edwin. He was motionless, considering Edwin didn't dare to interrupt. Finally, he seemed to come to a decision. Then we'd better hurry. Take us to her. Edwin knew a yes when she heard it. She turned around, leapt into the sky, and started flying back the way they had come. Lyle followed. When she looked behind them, a small group of about 15 ponies had detached from the main herd and was following Moonbeam. They were fast, streaking along the ground at a pace that could easily keep up with Dragonflight. They were positively magnificent, and Edwin could have watched them run all day. We did it, Lyle! The ponies are going to help us! How do you think the others are doing? Talora was scared. They were close enough now she could hear the first big waterfall, a wild, rushing, pounding sound that got stronger as the river's speed picked up. Every passing second filled her with more dread. She knew that Smudge's plan was the best chance they had to get Beatrice safely down the mile of Cascading Falls, but now, as she surveyed their sorry little group, it seemed destined for failure. Talora and Smudge were perched on either side of Beatrice, on the raft, with Azrael and Petra hovering in the air directly above them. Furball was tucked safely in Tom's pack. Talora had wrapped him in one of her water-resistant oilskins to keep him dry. He looked like a tiny seal. Now they just had to wait until they were close enough to the waterfall to pull off the first step of their plan. First, they had to get out of the water, which was easier said than done. Large rocks and steep cliffs bordered the water on either side. This meant there was nowhere to stop the raft except just before the waterfall. Azrael had found a beach hidden behind a giant cliff that jutted out into the river. The cliff protected the beach from the river's current, making a calm, still pool behind it. If they could just break out of the ravenous current as soon as they rounded the side of the cliff, they would be able to get into that calmer pool of water and get Beatrice out of the river and onto the beach. From there, they could launch the next phase of their plan. Petra swept upwards and looked down, watching the raft's progress, readying herself to give the signal. Talora watched Petra closely and forced herself to take slow, deep breaths. In through her nose, out through her mouth, in through her nose, out through her mouth. This was a technique she'd learned in training. It was meant to help you with fear. It kept your heart from racing and your muscles relaxed. This waiting was the hardest part. As soon as Petra gave the signal, they would all work furiously to guide the raft as close to the upcoming cliff as possible without hitting it. Once they passed the cliff, they would have only a short window of time, mere seconds, to push the raft out of the current, into the calm water, and up onto the beach. If they didn't make it in time, the current would keep them, ushering them straight over the edge and into the waterfall. If this happened, Azriel would grab Smudge, Petra would grab Talora, and they would fly them to safety. Talora didn't ask, what about Beatrice? Because she knew if this happened, there would be nothing they could do for her. They had to make it to the beach. Now! Talora heard Petra's signal, and she and Azriel sprang into action. Azriel, his hind legs clutching the raft, dipped one wing fully into the water and used it as a giant paddle, scooping water furiously and propelling the raft toward the bank. Talora was in the back of the raft, using her spear to push off of rocks, boulders, the river bottom, anything as best she could. Smudge stood on top of Beatrice, flapping his wings hard, which was surprisingly helpful. 
Their combined efforts were moving them toward the bank of the river and the cliff. Petra returned to the raft and started scooping the water furiously with her wing like Azrael. The cliff was now about a hundred feet away. Now seventy-five. Now fifty. Push! Push! yelled Petra. The sound of the waterfall was getting so loud that if Petra's voice wasn't inside Talora's head, she wasn't sure she would have been able to hear it. Here it comes! They were upon the cliff and they had driven the raft as close to the side of the river as they dared without getting too close to the cliff itself. As the raft swept past the cliff's edge, Petra yelled, Go, go, go! Azrael and Petra paddled with all their might while Talora pushed and Smudge flapped. They could see the beach now. They only had a few more seconds to get out of the current or they would miss their window. Petra's voice repeated itself in Talora's head over and over until she couldn't tell if she was imagining it or not. Push, push, push! Closer, closer. Talora felt a choking feeling in her throat. No, no, the current was too strong. They weren't going to make it. Petra seemed to notice this at the same instant as Talora. Smudge, she called. Hold on to the raft and then grab my tail. Smudge understood. He jumped off of Beatrice and gripped hard to the logs of the raft with his back talons. He caught hold of Petra's tail with his front feet as she leapt into the air, pumping her wings as hard as she could. It was working. The raft was slowing down and inching closer to the calmer water. Azriel leapt into the air and flew ahead of Petra, who grabbed onto his tail, the three of them forming some kind of frantically flapping dragon rope. Delora dug her spear down with all of her might, finally bracing it against a big rock beneath the water and pushing with everything she had. This last little bit was all they needed. The raft passed out of the fast-moving current into the still water on the other side of the cliff. Azrael, Petra, and Smudge pulled the raft the rest of the way, and then they were safe on the beach. It collapsed with relief, but they couldn't rest long. It was time for phase two of Smudge's plan. Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please tune in for episode 11, The Waterfall, with special guest artist from Vermont, Ellen Kuchera. We'd love to see you at the live show on Zoom, or you can listen to the podcast one week later. If you are enjoying Fad Pack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. You can leave us a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts or the website podchaser.com. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means a lot to us. You can also shop from our online store at dirtroadtheater.com shop. Our store has stickers, t-shirts, hats, mugs, even a fad pack fanny pack, and a fad pack backpack, all featuring the work of our special guest artists. Or you can buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes and you can share your drawings or thoughts about the show and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com slash fadpack. And now we'd like to share some moments from our live show. Hello, everyone. Um, we do have our special guest artist with us today, Erin Davis. So one question I always like to ask the artist is why this particular image? Why did this pop into your head? Yeah, I was excited about seeing the ponies because it's the first time that we've seen them in the story. And it seemed like um, it's really building up to that and kind of trying to imagine what it would be like to, you know, be flying and run into them, basically see, see them, what it would look like coming up. You have a favorite fad pack character. I really like Smudge. I think Smudge is really cute. 
Always yeah. rooting for him. <laughs> I just really loved that illustration. I think that one of my favorite illustrations, one of my other favorites is the one where Smudge and Beatrice getting stabbed by the unicorn. That's my other favorite one. How would you start drawing with all the pencil lines? Where would you start? Oh, I would start with the pencils. Um, I think trying to set up where you want the different things to be. So I drew where the horses are going to go. <laughs> yeah, I think just try to make sure where, make sure I could draw a horse because I don't think I've drawn a horse at least in a very long time. So make sure I could do that and then <laughs> uh, just figure out where everything goes and draw it in pencil and then do the ink over it. Erin, I, I, I think that that picture was breathtaking. I made a picture of the stallion who's talking. Oh, of Moonbeam. Nice. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Willow and Lily. Ooh, what do you have? Dragon and trees. Dragon and trees. I love it. Mia? Wow, look at that. That's beautiful. Um, I made this myself. That's their mom. And this is me and my little sister down here. (laughs) (laughs) You and your little sister. That's great. That kind of helps me picture how big Beatrice would be if we were standing next to her, right? You would feel so big. Graceland? This is a unicorn dragon. A unicorn dragon. Love that. That sounds like an incredibly fearsome beast. I've drawn creatures like this before. I've never drawn them with their mouths open because Uh they have sharp teeth. And I I like the ears and I like how fearsome and determined I made the eye look. Yeah, definitely very determined. And look at those sharp teeth. Oliver, did you want to show us your drawing? Yes. This is a... Sea dragon. It's a special kind of sea dragon, and they're very rare. And see these little claws? Mm-hmm. Those help it get play. Like if they can extend more long, like they can shoot out the water and grab boards or grab fish far away. And I really like it. Sydney, would you like to share anything? Because I thought jump forwards in time, so then the dragons could see in the future. Then if they could see in the future, they would be able to find out what their plan was and how they were going to do everything. Yeah, seeing into the future would be so helpful. Um, <laughs> thanks for the warning in episode eight, because it was... A good warning for that. <laughs> we appreciate oh, yeah. it knowing that ahead of time. And they draw like all the time, like every the day. Time. And I like can't miss anything. And I never even stop. <laughs> <laughs> never ever. <laughs> And that's it for episode 10. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork that you'd like to share with us, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication, and so far she has managed not to catch anything on fire. Fingers crossed. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. 
You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. If you'd like a full transcript of any of our episodes to read along or to read on your own, you can find a link at the bottom of the show notes. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Our guest artist for episode 10 was Aaron Davis. Check our show notes for a link to Aaron's Instagram page. Fad Pack was written and created by Dominic, Kraslin, and Oliver Spillane, and edited and performed by myself, Marin Langdon Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us next time. <laughs>